0: Welcome to the Points Bet pregame show. From now until kickoff, join Dion Miller and Jeff Miller talking Bears football. Listen live on AM ESPN One Thousand on the FM at One Hundred Point Three HD Two on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app.
1: Are you ready? Um.
0: Yeah. Welcome to the Points Bet pregame show. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago.
1: Week three of the NFL season and the Bears host old friend Lovie Smith and the Houston Texans today at Soldier Field. I'm Jeff Meller along with Deion Miller as we take you right up until kickoff here on ESPN 1000. Before we go there, though, and set yes. the stage, Dion, for yes. this week's game, we do need to reflect ever so briefly on last Sunday night's game, which, in my opinion, was a bit of a nightmare scenario.
2: It was. It was.
1: Never really in doubt for the Packers. I guess early on with that 7-3 lead for the Bears, maybe, maybe people were starting to fool themselves into believing there could be uh, a closer game at hand. However,
2: Not just people, Jeff.
1: Me, <laughs> you, Deanne.
2: I got excited, <laughs>
1: but alas, by halftime, I think it was pretty much known that it was not going. To, it was going to be another Packers laugher. Yeah, and boy, oh, boy, I say nightmare scenario because. Tell me if you agree. For the most part, while the expectations for the Bears as a whole are not very high this year, Mm-mm. I think a lot of people have talked about the idea of this season being about the progression of Justin Fields. Correct. So when you see him go out and have the type of game that he did, where it felt like Lugetzi was afraid to call passing plays, that was not good. Uh, You know, on the heels of a game where you and I both discussed last week uh, on the the opener, it I wasn't going to put a whole lot of stock into what I saw because of the. Because of the weather situation in the right. opener.
2: Yeah. I mean, here's what I'm gonna say. All week at Hallis Hall, what they kept telling us about the lack of passing, it was not a some sort of indication that they don't trust that Justin can run the plays that they want to call, the pass plays that they wanna call. In fact, Luke Getze was very adamant, like we called about nineteen pass plays out of forty-two. That's roughly half. There were a couple of sacks. He took he took his responsibility for one of them. He said there were a couple of uh, of other plays that ended up, you know, Justin kind of ad libbed and ended up running. And so he he didn't see think see it as as imbalanced as it appeared. Mm-hmm. But eleven pass attempts, seven of eleven for seventy yards is not NFL football, and we and we all know that. Now they insist this is all situational, and. And I want to believe them. However, I think there were opportunities for yes. Justin to to connect with receivers, to hit NFL Open receivers, and he didn't do them. And that's where the cause for concern needs to continue to be until we see something different.
1: No doubt about it. And to your point, and we'll let you hear from Luke Getze throughout the show, uh, you will hear from him in Dion's notebook coming your way in about 15 minutes from now. She takes you around Hallis Hall, what happened this week, what you may have missed. And uh, as we get you set for Bears and Texans today, one and one it was, you know, we we talked about it last week. The game against the 49ers was one where, you know, I wasn't going to get irrationally excited. Mm-mm. But the idea that the Bears could then follow it up with a at least a competitive game against the Packers was going to potentially change my mind. And it did not do that. And I became very discouraged. And you're right. Okay, we'll see. But when we only have two games to work off of and you see a team trailing by, you know, 17 points late in the game, and you wonder, okay, why no urgency to throw the ball? That's where it it, it doesn't necessarily... Right. Luke, I'll, I'll, I'll trust Luke Getzi right now, but again, I'm more inclined to go off of what my eyes tell me and what I see you doing, not what you're telling not, me not you your to do.
2: Well, and I think that's where we have to go right now. That I keep thinking about, had... Had Justin gotten into the end zone on that fourth down, which Bizarro Shotgun called, <laughs> like, I don't know why they were in shotgun. That's a different discussion. But had he gotten in and scored those seven points, would we feel that much different? I've thought about that for several days. Like, would I, would I feel that much different if they had only lost by 10 as opposed to 17? Like... So
1: did you come to? Did you have? No, I still don't know
2: how to feel about that because that isn't you know like that's all hypothetical, right? So it's hard to it's hard to try to analyze it if that had happened.
1: I think it's a fair point though because truth be told, he scored. Yeah, you know that's correct. And so I I personally was not as critical of the idea of them running from shotgun on fourth and short in that situation near the goal line because and especially then when you hear Luke Getze explain it. That it's a numbers count, right? Like when you spread out people wide and you've got a guy like Justin Fields, this is one of the reasons why he was a clear cut first first round Mm -hmm. quarterback because Mm -hmm. of his physical talents. The truth is, though, if he's going to excel in this league, he's going to need to do a better job of reading the field and what the defense is giving him. And I still don't have much to work off of in Luke Getse's offense after two games, you know.
2: Right. And I mean, we knew that we wouldn't. But I, I guess I just what is hard, I think, for Bears fans as well as myself is you watch Justin and you want to say, okay we have to give him time to develop. But then you flip around the league and you see what Jalen Hurts does. You see what Tua did last week and Lamar Jackson and you see Josh Allen and you wonder is does he have that sort of thing in him? that's that's what we continue to wonder and and how long do we allow that well give it time give it time D- do you say that about quarterbacks that are you know changing the game the way that those guys are those guys I just mentioned like do we did we ever say well give it a little bit more time did well, we? no and well yes or so, no right so look,
1: it's it's a fair question and in this day and age people are quick to react to every week and so I understand people the urgency you know after watching Justin Fields. The problem is, when you look at what they have failed to surround him with in terms of offensive skill players, that's where I think we're, we're going right back to where we were at in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Wondering, okay, you guys tried to sell your fan base that you weren't you weren't going to go ahead and mortgage the future for a quick fix to try and make Justin Fields look a little bit better. Mm-hmm. The goal, and it rightfully so, it should be by Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, is long-term it's not just about this year right? yes yes so i understand their philosophy of not rushing not you know going after a, a wide receiver in free agency or maybe earlier in the draft than you know um than you would have liked when you when you had talented players like uh, jaquan brisker still mm-hmm. on the board i understand all that however when you see what happened this past sunday and you just wonder okay Justin Fields, this is his second year, whether right. whether you guys like it or not. You didn't draft him, but he's on the clock. Mm-hmm. And you as a franchise need to figure out and make a decision about where you're at with this quarterback and whether or not he's going to be your franchise quarterback. And it looks like, at least based on two games, and again, small sample size, but it looks like it's going to be tough sledding because he's just not surrounded by dynamic game breakers.
2: No, no. He's not. And we knew that that was eventually going to come and bite them, right? That that reality that they didn't surround him with.
1: That, we all suspected it. Yeah, but-
2: and but is is that part of why the passing game has lacked so much? I, I want to believe them when they say it was situational not an, not like a piece of our identity that this has just been situational through two games we played in a monsoon and we played the Packers. Okay so I, I, the Texans come to town this levels the playing field in my mind playing an 0-1-1 Texans team that is equally struggling offensively to get things going that plays a somewhat similar style of defense that has a lot of young guys and is trying to figure out what they're going to be this is a level playing field this is an Opportunity. You're at home. You have a chance right now to show all of your fan base and to show the NFL that we're not just here to be the worst offense in the league. We are here to kind of grow and and to show tangible evidence that we are making progress.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point because I do think the Bears every week could probably point out how they're trying to be a ball control offense. Uh-huh. You know that you can make that excuse every week based on your opponent and say listen like this is the best way for us a best path for us to get to get a victory but I think you Bears fans want to see more from Justin Field. So on the you point out the Texans come in oh one and one. And I think if you look around from national pundits, if it wasn't the Bears, it was the Texans generally regarded as the worst talent (laughs) in the league. That's what we're dealing with I know. I know Now I think the Bears it have, makes me laugh. You know, one game because of that 49ers, you know, in the deluge that they played in, they, there's a little bit more optimism surrounding them and maybe the Texans because they fought hard and got a tie against the Colts in week 1. Maybe both teams have a little bit more uh optimism surrounding them than initially, but we could very quickly go back to looking at these two teams we're going to see on the lakefront today as two of the worst teams in regards of talent what they're putting on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, and it may show today, you know? If we have another ugly game offensively, I think a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, those two teams don't have any talent. I will say, <laughs> uh, per Ian Sadly. Rappaport, uh, the good news for Bears fans out there, Roquan Smith is expected to play today. We'll have the inactives in about 20 minutes from now, where we will know officially, but um, all signs point to Roquan Smith, who's been dealing with a uh, hip injury. We're expecting him to play today, so that's the good news for Bears fans. That is
2: good news, and I'm somewhat surprised by that. Just yesterday, I thought that I, I, I thought oh of course he'll play and then as Peggy and I discussed it a little bit we were like okay but why risk it if you're feeling anything sit back and don't don't risk an injury that could impact your future money <laughs> right like your future financials and and yet he's pushing forward but so okay I mean I well, don't, know. I, don't I,
1: know I think if you're Roquan Smith you're right you know he needs to get through the season healthy. But he also, I think, needs to prove he needs to put better tape out there too. Yeah, last couple weeks were not ideal from him. No, Um, I know he's moving around a little bit in the you know in Matt Eberflus' defense. So that being the case, they need to do a better job, especially stopping the run. Mm -hmm. They've been gouged by you know both the Packers and 49ers. And I think when you're going to point to Roquan Smith and say, hey, if we're going to make you a highly paid, you know, if if not the highest, but one of the most highly paid linebackers in football, you need to lead a better defensive run unit, right? And they've given up over 150 yards both these past two weeks. Totally, That is not going to help them win football games.
2: And and the Texans know that. Like that's Eddie Jackson said, we put that on tape. We are fully aware that that's where they're going to try to attack us because that's what we have looked like. So, I mean, like I've said before, normally when a team goes back to the fundamentals in week three and is like, we've got to work on tackling, (laughs) you worry. But the Bears are so young that hopefully they were able to kind of get it get it right and be able to shore up their the they'll be able to shore up the texans running game that's what that's what we hope to see today yes
1: so we're taking your calls 312-332-3776 courtney cronin jumps on around ten thirty to let us know about the inactives and everything that we may have missed over the past week she'll get you caught up to date we'll have teddy greenstein joining us around eleven fifteen to get you set with all your plays this morning around the nfl not just the bears and texans game up next we take you through the week in Hallis Hall, as of course Deanne covers the Bears for ABC Seven and for us here at ESPN One Thousand. All right. So when it came to dealing with criticism, who exactly did, did Justin Fields lean on? Find out next in Deanne's notebook. Yeah. Just losing against this team, is it? Does it sting more
0: because of the rivalry? And you know how much Bears fans want to win this game? Yeah. I mean, it, it hurts more in the locker room than the Bears fans. I mean, because at the end of the day, they're not putting in any work. Um, I see the guys in the locker room every day. I see how much work they put in. So uh, just coming out with a disappointing loss like this, um, you know, it hurts. But, uh, you know, we just got to respond.
1: That was Justin Fields a week ago in the postgame after the loss to the Packers. And you and I were just discussing moments ago, you... That didn't really catch your ears immediately.
2: It it didn't. And I, I think it's interesting that we had spent the entire week before then wondering if the rivalry mattered to the players as much as it does to the fans, right? Like, yes. that was our whole our whole conversation. The tone of the conversation was that the players don't care quite as much as the fans do about it being the Packers. And I felt like this week, when, when that comment was made, I truly didn't think twice about it. And then it was the next day that I was like, oh, did that bother people? I mean, it, it just... Because I, I kind of felt like knowing Justin, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to offend the fans. He was just no. a, saying that, yes. that he, you know, they put in the work on the field to win the game. That's that was the point, and they didn't win. They want to win. Yes. That's what I heard in that was that we want to win.
1: And I think frustrated player in the post game, especially when you've been doing it as long as you and I have, it, it wasn't like a standout. Like, oh, this is. But when you take a step back mm-hmm. and you kind of look through the sound, you you just if you re. Just rereading it and not even listening to it. And then you see those comments in prints, and maybe you didn't see or hear the question that preceded it, where you're asked specifically about the fans. You know, it does kind of change it when you just see the words, maybe, and not necessarily. Right. Like, and all of a sudden everybody's tweeting his quote, Mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily have the video. You can understand it. And listen, I think if nothing else, my takeaway was. Justin Fields has passed PR 101 based on his follow-up comments on Wednesday.
0: You know, I was I was mad after the game. And, I mean, i I like to address this now to get everything cleared up. But, you know, there was a thing that I said on Sunday after the game where I said, you know, um, the fans don't put in work. And when I was, you know, first off, um, you know, I was frustrated after the game. So, you know, number one, I didn't want to... <laughs> come and talk to you guys um, I wasn't in the mood to come and talk to you guys so um, you know I should have did a better job explaining what I meant by that but um, what I meant by that was I'm talking about work you know regarding uh, the game on Sunday winning the game you know I don't know any fans I don't know what they're doing in their personal lives um, and I respect every fan that we have I'm you know glad that we have fans so um, you know I would never disrespect you know anybody on what they do or what they love to do. Um, And, you know, that was, you know, it came off like that. And, of course, you know, some social media outlets, they, you know, quoted my quote and, you know, they got a big buzz out of it. So, uh, of course, they did a great job doing that. And, of course, social media is going to do that. But, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up right now. And, you know, now back, now back to the question. I'm sorry. I just want to clear that up. <laughs> so, there you go.
2: Here's what I will say you heard that. The drastic difference between the way he responded on Sunday night and the way he responded on Wednesday. He was a different guy when he came in to talk to us.
1: And how about you and I were talking about it in the weeks preceding it is how he's being very nonchalant when he's addressing the media. And it was, I don't want to say turning us off, but he certainly was doing everything in his power to avoid saying anything. To the point where there were three, five word answers. Yes. And no one... you can do whatever you want up there, right. you know. Fulfill your obligation, answer the questions. You will get a lot more rope from the fan base if you just oh. go up there for ten to fifteen minutes every Wednesday and just try and be likable. Yeah, and listen, I like fine. You don't. Some people are like, I don't want to put on a song and dance. I understand that. No,
2: no one's asking you to.
1: But if you do, it'll go a, a much longer way, and you will get the benefit of the doubt more often than not.
2: Here is what I I believe that. Wednesday, his personality on the podium was much more who he is naturally because all we hear from his teammates is how much they they love him and how great he is. And all we see in the locker room is a lot of that camaraderie and he's laughing and they're watching videos. It's a different person than the one who sits up on the podium. He said, I don't want to come in here and just be a robot. Well, Jeff, since he reported for training camp, he's been sitting yes. up there and just being a robot. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would give one or two word answers and I'd text another reporter and be like, brutal. Like, we yeah. can't even, this is not... This is not real. This this cannot. This is not I'm, I'm for hoping, somebody who's never won, who hasn't won yes. anything in the league yet. You can't answer that way. You I'm, just can't.
1: I'm hoping we had a breakthrough. I think you know that what? we did. And it was a, a slight misstep on Sunday night. And now going forward, it is so much easier if you just are honest. And again, you don't have to give give away the game plan, right? No. Just go be no, no, honest. No. Right. And, and if there's something you don't want to disclose because you think it puts you at a competitive disadvantage,
2: then say that. Yeah. Be
1: like, you know what? Uh, that's probably not in the team's best interest. I don't want to tell you guys. You can a quick little joke about it, one yeah. liner, move on, and then just give give you know a basic answer to the question, and everybody will be better off for it. Again, though, above all else, though, so he, in my opinion, passes PR one hundred and one mm-hmm. uh, with his display on Wednesday. Now. Can he pass football one oh one for at the NFL level in yeah. regards to reading a defense? That's what we need to see now going forward
2: totally, totally. All right. so as we dive into the notebook, let's just keep because it kind of like goes along with what we were just talking about. So who did he talk to? and And here's the other thing. like he's learning what it what it's like to be in that quarterback NFL quarterback spotlight week in and week out, right? I think he got a taste of it last year. He's learning it at a whole new level now. So, so who did he talk to when he realized that Barstool or a social media outlet, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, um, took those comments and ran with them? Who
0: did he Talked talk to my dad about it? And, you know, I mean, as long as I'm going to be in this position, you know, there's always going to be stuff like that that pops up. So, I'm um, just knowing that, you know, as long as I'm in this profession that it's, it's really never going to go away. So I just got to, Either be really, you know, clear to you know everything that I say, um, be really descriptive of what I really mean, or just really not say anything at all.
2: That's it. That's that's the key. Don't say anything at all, or like we just said, play it off. Now, the thing that stood out to me most about this moment for Justin was that being ridiculed for something he said that he didn't even realize was offensive could have made him go the other way so easily and say you know what i'm not even gonna say i'm I'm gonna be even worse and it didn't happen that i feel like is why i agree with you that that was some sort of a pr breakthrough for him that he can he can be himself more in front of the media and hopefully that translates when he's on the field
1: because it felt like wednesday was dramatically different
2: dramatically different
1: from everything we've seen from him at this point yeah
2: okay so the other guy obviously under the microscope when it comes to what the bears offense is doing is uh, obviously luke Getzey, and and he was so defensive of what the team was doing now i've already said earlier i do feel like the reality of their offense right now is more situational i just appreciated the way that Getzey discussed trying to get the offense more balanced heading forward
0: i i truly you know i'm just i love to throw because i'm a quarterback guy right sure. but uh, I truly believe in evaluating the matchups each week and saying, "Okay, here's where we have the advantages. Here's where here's where our disadvantages are." You have to look at the opponent and say, "Okay, here's where you have to take advantage of them. Here's where you have to stay away from." And so I think that, to me, that's what I want to be. Whatever that means, I don't know what that means. If it's 50 throws, 50 runs, I don't really care. Uh, you know, it's about winning. It's about giving us the best chance to win. And um, you know, like I said, usually your your the the style of defense will will dictate that.
2: Okay, so make the adjustment now, right? Make the adjustment. The style of defense that you're playing is one that you're somewhat familiar with, as Lovey Smith called it. We're second cousins defensively. You should be somewhat familiar with what you're going up against today. Okay, so adjust. You know the op- opponent. Adjust. Show us that you can do what it takes to win. You can you can change your offense against a team you can beat and set yourself up to win. That's what I want to see
1: today. I agree. And the lack of skill or playmakers at the skill position, it's apparent. But still, I'd like to see Darnell Mooney get a few more targets. Because yes. he's the one guy who, even though we heard from the same Luke Getzey about how he didn't necessarily run the best route on a, on a deep ball against Green Bay, he's the one guy who we know can actually hack it in this league and give you production. So I'd like to see him use more, too, yeah, going totally. forward
2: so is this the lovey smith revenge game is it has he been holding a grudge for 10 years (laughs) i'm curious i remember do you remember the day he was fired
1: oh very well i was working here when is in the middle of the jay cutler show
2: yep yeah Uh i was i drove to the jay cutler show Mm -hmm. and we tried to get reaction as quickly as we could i could not believe they fired a guy who had won 10 games oh
1: i i def i could yeah yeah and I know where we're going with this, but um, yeah,
2: let's let Lovey tell us how he felt feels because all week, you know, I tried to, to listen to him when he was talking to the Houston media and he kept saying, you know, it's that allowed me to get a job in the NFL. And now I'm here doing my dream job and da da da. But, you know, I feel like there had to be some as good of a guy as he is and as big of a faith guy as he is. There has to be some some grudge that he's holding there. Here's what he had to say on part of my take. Yeah.
1: With uh, who you hear, Dan Katz, uh, Barstool Big Cat every Thursday, or, I'm sorry, Tuesday with Waddle and Sylvie. Oh, no, you, you know, I can't say that's the case. Um, you know, when I, I left, can, the Bears, I can, I could say that. I could say the case. I, I can absolutely you know, say that's the case. You know, I had a disagreement on, on uh, where our program was when, when I was removed from my job there with the Bears, I'll acknowledge that. You know, most of the time you uh, you lead a team to ten wins, you don't get fired. But uh, life happens that way. It seemed like to me in my career, every time seemed like it was a setback. It's really been a setup, something bigger and better. And um, I'm a guy from Texas. Played high school football, product of Texas high school football. So every stop or every job that I had that didn't it didn't end well, it led me to. As I see it, my you know, the perfect job for me of coaching the Houston Texans.
2: Okay. But he does still have a home here. His wife is from here. He definitely he definitely has feelings about coming back to Soldier Field and being on the other side. And I think he's prepared and told his men as such coming into today's game.
1: It's undeniable that his coaching tenure with the Bears was I think truly a success. However, I believe the reason he was fired after 10 wins, listen, They started that season 7-1, and right? Yeah. And he came into that year, though, kind of on the hot seat with the idea that, hey, you were 8-8 and the previous year. And it had been a while. And the Bears had shown... It was was never about Lovey and the defense that he brought. It was always about the fact that he couldn't find a solution for the offensive coordinator, right? Right. And they, they went out of their way time and time again to try and find a solution for Jay Cutler pairing. And maybe... Jay was part, you know, a bigger, bigger issue. But for me, it came down to you had plenty of time and it was never about that 10 win season. Right. It was the culmination, the buildup of years gone by where you could never solve the offensive coordinator right. situation.
2: Never, never. And that's
1: why he was fired. Right. You know, and and you started seven and one. And so and, and you right. failed to make the playoffs.
2: Correct. Correct. I mean, there was a lot of other factors going on there. It just feels like a, it's we're still on the long road back too consistently competing at a high level that's and that's depressing right here we are yes a decade later still talking about the offense do I have time for my yeah, bonus absolutely. my bonus okay so I have a bonus I have a bonus from the locker room because it, it really stuck in my craw here is uh, Cole Komet who we all know has zero catches is doing no one favors in fantasy mm-hmm. he knows he's on my fantasy team said this in front of me to my face Oof. in the middle of the week
0: yeah fan- fantasy is like the worst thing to happen <laughs> <laughs> it totally takes away from like the team aspect of winning so yeah those are my thoughts of fantasy. are
2: you kidding are you kidding you know who my opponent is this week
1: one courtney Carter. oh boy
2: I know. I'm about to trust
1: So are you that. trusting That's Cole that. Komet to have a big game <laughs> this week?
2: Absolutely not. He is sitting on my bench oh, where he's he belongs. The pine. Where he belongs. Sorry, Cole. But I can't dump him. It's the name of my team. What do Ye- I do? Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, this I'm one. in
2: a juxtaposition. And I don't like that he openly admitted that fantasy is terrible.
1: I disagree. Uh, but um, of course. listen, listen, produce a little more and uh, expectations are high. How about.
2: How, how differently would he feel if everyone was clamoring to put him on their fantasy team? Oh, he, like right? yeah. I mean, Come on, no. you
1: know what? He had zero catches last week and they got housed. Right. And there was no passing elements to be seen. So right. that's also part of the problem. That's for the a huge part of the problem. All right. You mentioned Courtney Cronin. The inactives are in. Valis Jones Jr., who we knew was not going to be a part of the game plan, is out. This one was something we were watching, waiting for. This could hurt the Bears big time. Jalen Johnson, inactive today. Mm. Jatire Carter is also inactive. Dane, how do we say his name? Cruikshank? Cruikshank. Cruikshank, thank Mm you. Uh, Matt Adams, we knew he was not going to be a participant and tight end Ryan Griffin. But the big news, obviously, Jalen Johnson is inactive. We'll ask Courtney Cronin how that's going to affect the Bears' ability to shut down the Houston Texans next. (laughs) Getting you set for Bears-Texans. I'm Jeff Meller alongside Deion Miller, taking you up until kickoff. The inactives are in, as we mentioned. No surprise, Valus Jones Jr. is not. We knew that. Earlier in the week, and Jalen Johnson though that's the big one. He that is, is not going to be available for the Bears today. We did find out earlier this morning that Roquan Smith was going to be active, so that's the good news. But again, Jalen Johnson, that is a tough blow to a Bears secondary that maybe hasn't been as tested as we would have mm-hmm. expected because it's been so easy to run on them, Dion. But um, big blow for the Bears secondary. And that's today. that's
2: a big deal. He's been a leader and he's been um, both on and off the field, and and it, it is, and it's kind of surprising. It happened in practice. We don't know exactly what happened, but but it apparently was an injury that popped up in practice, and now he's going to miss a game, and that—that's not what they need to have happen as they're trying to grow and, and get these guys like all on the same page. So we'll see. I mean, that's not good.
1: That's let's not good. Fi- let's find out more as we go out to Soldier Field and discuss with Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears for ESPN and for us here at ESPN One Thousand, and Deion Miller's opponent in her fantasy football league today. Yes. Courtney, yes. all right. So where do you want to start with your matchup against Deanne or Jalen Johnson? <laughs>
3: I don't think I'm. I'm actually on a two-game losing streak, so I really can't talk any um, sort of game right now. Because I'm, you know, try, I'm playing from behind. I don't know how Dion's doing. I hope she's doing well.
2: Um, one in one right okay. now.
3: One in one. Okay, see that's that's better than zero and two. I'm kind of feeling like the Bengals right now, but I'm you know I'm confident that maybe this week uh, I'll be able to bounce back because I had a pretty good uh, Thursday.
2: You did. She is. Uh, she already has sixteen points. I have zero. Oh, so this is where we're starting. All right,
1: come from starting. behind. All right, right, so somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> how does uh, how does the loss of Jalen Johnson affect the Bears today against the Texans? In your opinion, Courtney?
3: He's, yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, because he's been, as Dion had mentioned, like he's the most consistent part of that secondary at the cornerback spot, and there's a reason that he hasn't been targeted at all mm-hmm. by opposing quarterbacks in the first two weeks because you have such younger. Inexperience uh, that you're going to try to go after if you're Aaron Rodgers or even Trey Lance in week one. So now that you have that, like it's probably going to, you know, the, I'm, I'd be really, I'm really curious to see what they end up doing with Kyler Gordon. Are they going to try to, I don't feel like they can move him outside because I feel like he has to play the nickel role because they just don't have depth there. So I'd imagine it's probably someone like a Lamar Jackson starting opposite, Kindleville door, and that could really open up the you know the floodgates. If if Davis Mills has success testing that early on, they may say that that's the way that they're going to beat the Bears, and they might not even have to lean on their
2: run game. That was going to be my question because how how much are they going to now attack downfield because they know there's inexperience out there, and and this is a Bears team that already show, put on tape that they can give a lot of, up a lot of. Yards on the ground, but now you feel like for an offense coming in like the Texans that like the Bears wants to open it up with the passing game. This may be where they start.
3: Yeah, I feel like that's probably probably all uh, true because yeah. you know this is such a vulnerable it's such a vulnerable part of the defense, and you know they don't have a running game that looks like what Green Bay's was last week. I don't think anybody in the NFC outside of that team does. So you would expect probably something that doesn't look like. You know, air, like it did with uh, Dylan and Jones, but I could anticipate. You know, if if Davis Mills is going like, to, they have a young receiving core. Like, but they have, you know, they've been able to find some success with it. If they can continue that, then that's probably the way that they go, and they don't even have to worry about how porous this run defense is because they're probably, you know, making their hay through the air.
1: It's funny because it's a Houston Texans offense that has so far scored twenty nine points on the season, Courtney, and yet they're probably licking their lips at the opportunity because Jalen Johnson not being out there. And also, you know, Roquan Smith, who is going to be active today. But this run defense has been a huge problem early on for the Bears. So, you know, the, the Texans, they may, they may have a choice of where they want to attack the Bears at this point.
3: Yeah. And I mean, the, the rope thing is interesting because he didn't practice all week mm-hmm. and he's got a hip injury. And of course we see this morning that he was expected to play, um, but he did he wasn't out there for any, any pregame up. I've, I've been here since, you know, nine, nine o'clock and I've watched the whole thing and I never saw him out there. So I guess, you know, maybe this is like a pain tolerance type thing, a pain management thing that he's just, you know, trying to take it easy during the week to be able to save himself for game day. Maybe it's that, but it's a good sign because if they didn't have their top two, you know, two of their top three linebackers out there, then you're looking further down the depth chart, mm-hmm. saying, okay, Jack Sanborn, who they really like and is a good player, would be getting, you know, really considerable reps. And I, but I would honestly anticipate he probably will today because he'll probably be backing up, um, you know, taking that backup role for Matt Adams, but. That would have been a lot worse situation if Roquan Smith wasn't able to go. I mean, you guys saw yesterday they called Joe Thomas up yeah. from the practice squad, which we expected just because that linebacker depth um, was in question. But you know, certainly a good thing and a welcomed uh, you know welcome piece of news for the Bears that Roquan Smith is able to go.
2: Alright, let's switch to the other side of the ball. You've talked all week about just how many yards this Texans defense is allowing in the passing game. Do we see a more concerted concerted effort from the Bears to get Justin Fields throwing downfield and start to get that off that side of the offense rolling?
3: Yeah, I mean you can't have twenty eight pass attempts through two weeks and not expect this to be probably a pretty considerable overcorrect. And whether that's the right move or not, it feels inevitable because of how you know how little they've seen from him in that you know, throughout the first two weeks, and I just feel like there's so much there that we saw on film, plays that he's leaving out there, guys that he's leaving wide open, that you've got two weeks now of examples that you can learn from, and you know, for hopefully for his sake, he's able to you know be a little bit more trusting of himself and being able to kind of you know attack when he needs to. Because there, I mean, we've talked about it all week, and I know it's kind of a tired storyline with the 11 passing attempts. There were more opportunities for Justin Fields, even on the touchdown and the play before the fourth and one. They were all called pass plays that he just ended up running with. I feel like he's got to find that balance of not. It's like kind of like what I always think of, like Russell Westbrook and um, you know playing hero ball and iso ball in the NBA. I feel like we see some of that in the NFL world when when guys like Justin Fields, when he's so used to having to shoulder everything, in the moments when he does have options to you know around him and to, to execute a passing attack he ends up kind of defaulting to what he's used to and sticking you know sticking through his progressions making sure that he's you know progressing through his reads appropriately before pulling kind of like the fail safe of, i have to take off and run that's what you hope to see from him today but in terms of the game plan i would imagine that it's going to there's going to be a considerable shift, as you heard the head coach talk about it, and you know that's what he wants. And know Luke Getzey was kind of defending what the play, what his play calls were last week, and, and that's what you expect from somebody who draws up the game plan. But um, there's going to probably be a much more concerted effort to get something going through the air and do it early.
1: Courtney Cronin joining us here, Mallard Miller on ESPN 1000. Courtney, I guess the expectation would be that Lucas Patrick will be starting at center today with uh, Tevin Jenkins at right guard. Do we think we'll see a more solidified line without rotation this week?
3: I think it'll be better just in terms of, like you know, the rotation is fine. And that's good for someone like Kevin Jenkins, who's young and not putting that all on his shoulders. But I think at some point you've got to take the training wheels off. And now that I mean, I was watching Lucas Patrick during warmups, he doesn't have anything on his right hand around where his, you know, surgically repaired thumb was. So I would anticipate, yeah, he will be starting at center. Um, because like, this is kind of what they've been working towards. Like throughout practice this week, they were trying to get him up to speed and they have been, and, and being able to like keep him in game shape. So when, he is ready to go back to center, which we anticipate being today. He it he, he won't be kind of like you know a shock to the system that he didn't have you know the last two weeks of reps, you know, at like going game speed of doing it in a consistent you know a consistent basis. So I think that all of that factors into what we'll see. And and from someone like Tevin Jenkins, I think now you'll be able to really gauge okay how comfortable does he look because you won't be looking at like all right is he in is he out like mm-hmm. what series is he not out there for? Obviously, we still think of that fourth and goal play where he was not at right guard because they bumped Lucas Patrick over. So, I mean, there'll be less questions, I think, about the offensive line with Patrick going back to center. and We finally get to see, okay, this is the group that they anticipated starting out there, and, and now they'll actually get to do that.
2: I think they've done an admirable job with the rotation, but you're right. They want to solidify that front five, and Lucas Patrick certainly in the middle of that is what they want. Okay, so what? 75 minutes before kickoff, what do you, you think is going to happen today, Courtney?
3: both of these like like you guys had mentioned like it's not like the Texans are going out there and lighting up opponents like I anticipate a low scoring game like if it's going to be if it was 17-13 I would not be surprised (laughs) I think on Waddle and Sylvie the other day I I picked the Bears 23-20 but you got to prove that you can score 20 points and I know that that should be the that should be the expectation they're still a young team they're a growing offense this is what Bears fans should have known that they signed up for that you're not going to be having a group that comes in and just like you know lights up the scoreboard and and scores at will like they have to show that they can you know score consistently before they even get to that level so I anticipate from both teams a low scoring game um heavy dose still of David Montgomery even though we do expect a little bit of an overcorrect with this offense and trying to get Justin Fields Playmakers involved more. I still think that they lean heavily on on Montgomery. On yeah, in Montgomery, because they have to. Like, mm-hmm. in order to have success with this sort of offense and with a young quarterback, you can't put it all on his shoulders. But you got to put some of it on his shoulders. So it's like finding that happy medium and the balance. That's what they're striving for.
1: Courtney, do you think or have you heard any rumblings that Luke gets? He kind of. Uh, laying out what exactly happened where Darnell Mooney maybe didn't run the best route and perhaps Justin Fields didn't throw the best pass. Any disgruntled players based on being aired out by the OC, or do you think uh, they're okay being held account- accountable publicly?
3: Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting because, remember, Fields talked about that play, and that, that was a play-action throw that they practice you know a lot. So the fact that they didn't hit that in the game, and he was kind of explaining, well, this, that, and the other thing with Mooney's route, and he kind of doubled down on that. I, I don't feel like that, ha- I mean, this is their top receiver on the team. You're not throwing the guy under the bus. Um, I don't think it was done with, like, a malicious intent. I think for Mooney, though, it's, like, you can you can say great teammate, wants to win, doesn't care if you get zero catches, whatever, zero targets. Like, eventually, I've seen this before, where I've heard receivers say the exact same thing, and then miraculously, two days before free agency, they're in Buffalo because they get traded. Like, mm-hmm. these things happen, right. and I'm not speculating that, like the locker room's about to fall apart, but you have to keep your pulse on this stuff because frustrations end up mounting and it's mm-hmm. only been two weeks. So again, it's still early, but you got to get Mooney involved. You got to get Cole Komet involved. I mean, there's so much here for this offense. And if you don't have your top two pass catching options, a part of that, then you're doing something wrong. So I don't think that there's, you know, it's not at, uh, there's, there's no divide yet, but like, again, it's like you keep monitoring those things because if Fields can't get you the ball, then then naturally guys are going to lose faith in the quarterback, but we're not at that point yet. Um We'll see, you know, what the passing attempts look like today, how many completions he has. I know that we're looking at these things in such a vacuum, which is crazy, mm-hmm. but because the the overall amount is so low, that's kind of why we're at where we're at right now where we're talking about these things.
1: And you'd have to imagine with, uh, Free, ag- free agency looming for Darnell Mooney in the offseason. He certainly can talk a good game, but um, he's going to want to see some production on the yeah. stat sheet fairly soon.
2: Very
3: soon. Yeah, I mean, two catches for four yards through two weeks, and the fact that he had one catch for you know a four-yard loss on that screen last week, that's not acceptable. I mean, this is a guy who's coming off a 1,000-yard season mm-hmm. last year. He should be your top guy, and it's not what we've seen the first couple of weeks of the season, He's not facing cloud coverage. He's not facing many brackets. A lot of the times, he's been left wide open. He's had single coverage, or he's beat his defender. Like you can't have that happen. Those are the excuses that like aren't valid in a way. I feel like I could do that.
2: Two catches for four yards. I feel like I could do that. Hmm. You might be
3: able to. You might be able to. I think that I don't think you would have gotten tackled behind the line of scrimmage last week, but that's just me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for your vote of confidence. <laughs> All right, Courtney, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Take care.
1: Courtney Cronin co- covering the Bears for ESPN and for us here on ESPN 1000. I'm Jeff Meller along with Dion Miller taking you up to Bears-Texans kickoff at noon at Soldier Field. All right, so we talked a lot about Luke Getze. Mm-hmm. We've talked a lot about Justin Fields. What exactly is the Bears defense in store for today against their opponent without Jalen Johnson? We'll talk about that next here on ESPN 1000. So the Bears host the Texans today at Soldier Field. And while we spend a lot of breath talking about Justin Fields in Houston, they have spent quite a bit of time and probably more than they initially anticipated discussing their rookie, not rookie, but their second year quarterback, quarterback Davis, Davis Mills, Mills, who also was drafted in the same class as Justin Fields. And I will say, even though they, they have not complimented him with a ton of great skill players, he has I think shown a lot more than most people initially expected from him, and to the point where I think the Texans feel like you know they they still have plenty to go, but they think they may have found their answer at quarterback now you it's think very so i not, he he listen he was a a very highly five star recruit yeah. in college who dealt with a lot of injuries mm-hmm. throughout his college career, and so it's you know when you look at the pedigree, it's not shocking that he would get to the NFL level and have some success. Now, again, he's, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, a lot of what Justin Fields is with very little around him. But Brandon Cooks is somebody who, as a wide receiver, you can, he's a a viable, you know, number one option. You know, he's similar to, I think, in a lot of ways, what Allen Robinson was when he first got here in Chicago. You know, Brandon Cooks is somebody who Davis Mills can rely on, count on, and they're very happy with their young running back, Damian Pierce, um who was a a darling in the preseason to mm-hmm. the point where after the first game they just they said you're good you got you, you we don't need to use you in preseason that's how good he was wow. so so damian pierce is somebody who i think is going to bears fans are going to become very familiar with today hopefully not familiar with though in the sense that he's you know frustrating the defense true
2: here's what i will say about davis mills he certainly he, they're certainly giving an op- him an opportunity to throw the ball mm-hmm. i mean it, cool. it just it jumps off the page that in his two games he's thrown the ball 37 38 times mm-hmm. compared to what the bears have done
1: and considering that they were tied with the colts and leading for the most part in that game they still found you know avenues to let davis mills drop back and throw the ball now he hasn't Thrown an interception yet this year? No, he but, hasn't. But at the same time, you know, he he's he still has a, a you know a lot out there to be desired for the Texans offense. He was though pretty darn good, you know, the last four four games or so of last mm-hmm. season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see again. You know. There might be some some rain, but the wind is going to be a factor today. So we'll see what uh, what ha- what both teams have in store offensively.
2: It, it, I'm I'm interested to see. I, I really feel like this is a good opportunity for the Bears, but I'm also nervous because you lose to a, t- a winless Texans team at home. How, how does that change the narrative around this group? Like that that we have a whole nother hour to talk about that. But I'm already like I'm I'm anxious to see if they're able to come out and kind of set the tone, let them let set the dictate the tone and show us some progress.
1: No, it's, it's a, it's a, a great point. You know what? Let's, uh, we will, we have a whole hour to go. We will talk with Teddy Greenstein. We'll talk to him about where the smart money is going in regards to the Texans Eesh. and bears game. We'll look around the league with him as well, but uh, up next, we'll take a deeper dive into what exactly Lovie Smith's return with the Texans could mean if the bears can't actually get this win that they're, they're, they're expected to. She's Deion Miller. I'm Jeff Mell-